0: Now, the law of sowing and reaping is similar to the Archimedes principle. It isn't something Paul made up. Okay, Paul didn't invent this. It's just how the world works, and he's explaining it. The famous author Dorothy Sayers, who was a mystery writer and also a devoted Christian, she explained the moral law of God like this in one of her articles. She says, really, there's two different kinds of laws. There's the law of the stop sign and the law of fire. Okay? These are the two kinds of laws. The law of the stop sign is, you know, a community can come together and decide there's a lot of traffic on a road, and they can make a law and say, we're going to put a stop sign there, and you have to stop. And if you don't stop, you could get a ticket. And if it's a really congested area, the ticket could be really big. Now. If the population goes down, the community can come back together, right, the, wh- whoever's in charge of this, and they can make a law and say, we're going to take down the stop sign, and they change it. That's the law of the stop sign. It can be put together by the community or taken away by the community. It's that kind of law. But the law of fire is altogether different. The law of fire says if you put your hand in a fire, you're going to be burned, Now, all of the kings and queens of the world, all of the presidents and premiers and prime ministers could all get together at the United Nations and take a vote and say, you know what, we don't like the law of fire, so we're going to rebuke the law of fire. We're going to say, we're going to take a vote and say we're disbanding the law of fire. How many of you know the first person who left that meeting and put their hand in a fire will quickly discover that the law of the stop sign is different from the law of fire? Because, here's what she says, and I quote her, you never break God's laws, you just break yourself on them. It's just the way the world works. So so Paul didn't make up sowing and reaping, he's just reporting it. It's revealed throughout scriptures. Let me give you a few of them. You can just write maybe down the references and study them later. God said to Noah, Genesis 8, verse 22, as long as the earth endures, Seed time and harvest will never cease. Never going to cease. It's always going to be there. Proverbs 11, verse 18. He who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. Proverbs 22, verse 8. He who sows wickedness reaps trouble. Job 4, 8. As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Are you seeing a theme here through these verses? Obadiah 15, as you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Hosea 8, verse 7, they sow the wind, they reap the whirlwind. This is just how the world works. And, and, and as a friend of mine, Jim Newsom says, he, he says, when you're confronted with an issue of truth, you only really have two options. There's two possible responses to truth. You can either believe it, or you can prove it, right? I mean, with the law of gravity, you can either believe it, you can believe in the law of gravity and, and kind of, you know, order your life around it so that when you're in you don't jump out of an airplane, you know, unless you have a parachute, unless you're me, you don't ever jump out of an airplane, right? Because you order your life around it. Or you can say, you know what, I don't believe in gravity, and I'm going to go up on top of the roof and just jump off the roof. Thereby, you will prove the law of gravity. So either believe it or prove it. And, and, and so I'm going to share this truth with you today of sowing and reaping. And you have a choice. You can believe it okay. and you can order your life around it or you can ignore it and therefore prove it. Okay. Now, before we kind of unpack this verse by verse, uh, I need a couple, maybe three disclaimers or warnings. Number one, be careful how you use the information I'm about to give you. Don't be a Pharisee with what I'm about to teach you, and go around putting heavy weights on people and judging them who, are, if they're going through a hard time and saying, well, there must be sin in your life. Okay. Right. Remember the, the story of Job and his friends? I mean, Job was a righteous dude, and his friends came in, and at first they were really good. They were quiet for seven days, and then they started talking. Should have never opened their mouth. And they said things like this. Look, Job, God doesn't punish the righteous. And you know what? In general, that's a true statement, right? That is, They were theologically correct. But there was a whole backstory they didn't know anything about. There was this chess match between God and Satan, and, and, and God was proving that he was going to glorify himself. And, and the whole thing was happening, and they didn't know it, so they judged their friend wrongly. So be careful with what I'm teaching. Don't use it to go around judging people. That's number one. Number two, there are some people who apply this whole text just to money the sowing and reaping thing, and they apply it to money. And I've always been, to be quite frank with you, I've always been kind of judgmental of those people and like, you know, looked down upon them. But the more work I've done this week textually from the Greek text, actually there's a reason people do that because verse 6, which I didn't read to you, says uh, those who receive instruction in the word must uh, uh, share all good things with their instructor. Now, I didn't preach that verse because I don't know how to preach that without sounding self-serving, okay? So you're adults, read the verse, okay? But some people, actually the ESV, which I think if I was starting over today, I'd start with the ESV translation, it puts verse 6 as the thesis statement for the rest of the paragraph. So while I don't think this text only applies to money, and you'll see why in a few moments, I certainly think it does apply to money, all right? And then here's my third disclaimer, uh, as I'm going to teach you this, there, I, you're, I promise you, as I say some statements, you're going to go, yeah, yeah, but, you're, you're going to have this thought in your mind, yeah, but, and I'm just going to ask you to hold your yeah, buts till the end. Okay, could you do that? Could you just, just hear me out to the end of, and, and, and before you make any judgment, can anybody can raise your hand if you say, I, can, I will listen to you till the end before I judge you and put it on Facebook. Okay, very good. Okay. We're going to walk through the text. I have three statements and one shocking conclusion. And it will be shocking, okay? So statement number one, right out of the text. These come right out of the text. God cannot be mocked. That's where he starts. God cannot. Look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't be confused. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In other words, you're not going to pull one over on God. That's what he's saying. So let's just, we just got to start there, okay? I mean, I heard the old story, you know, a kid comes home, he's got an F on his uh, report card, and uh, it was because he didn't do a project the teacher told him to do. And he says to the mom, Mom, she never told us about the project. She never, she never told us when it was due or how to do it or anything. And the mom says, oh, Don't you worry, honey. I'm going to call that mean old ugly teacher and put her in her place. Now listen, here's what Paul's saying. You might pull one over on your mama. But you ain't going to pull one over on God. Andy Stanley, wrote in an article about this, he says, I grew up in a church environment where I was taught that once I confessed sin to God, he would get amnesia and forget about it. Which meant to him, now I'm sure they didn't preach it this way, but the way he interpreted it was, I can go out, sin, come back on Sunday, confess my sin, there'll be no repercussions, I say a magic prayer, God's like a fairy godmother with pixie dust, and now there's no consequences. So live however you want, and you have a get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, Paul is saying you can't play that game with God. Now, why would he have to say this? Well, because in the rest of Galatians, where we've been for many weeks now, we've been interpreting this and, and studying this, that he says no one will be justified by the law. He's preaching the gospel, the good news that Jesus is Lord, and we are justified by faith in Jesus, not by obeying the law. So since he's been saying that, people could interpret, and maybe you interpreted it that way. Okay, well, if it doesn't matter if I obey the law, you know, and get circumcised and, 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 you know, obey the Sabbath and the dietary laws and all that. If that doesn't matter, then I can do whatever I want. And Paul's saying, that is not the case. It's not do whatever you want. Don't be deceived. Now, I don't know what you hear in that, but what I hear in that is a warning, a healthy warning to fear God. To not take this freedom that we have in the gospel. And we do have freedom. We've been talking about that. The whole subtitle of the series is set free, live free, right? And that's what Paul wants us to do is live in the freedom that we have. But we don't take that freedom as a license for sin because you reap what, be careful, God cannot be mocked. It's just the way the world works. And some people, they sow bad seed and then they pray for a crop failure. And then when they get a bad crop, they say, I thought Jesus loved me. Jesus does love you. And God cannot be mocked. That's number one, statement number one. Don't worry, it gets better. Statement number two, the seed determines the crop. Okay, statement number one is God's not mocked, okay, a man reaps So uh, the second statement is the seed determines the crop, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his flesh or his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So Paul's introducing us to a picture here. It's a a farmer and and this farmer, he or she are out there and they're sowing seed, right? And they got certain kind of seed and they sow the seed and whatever type of seed they're sowing is what the crop's going to be. Did you ever get those little packets like in your backyard garden, little packets of seeds and has the picture of whatever fruit or vegetable it is on the front of the packet? You know, we have some pictures of it up there. And, 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 and you you'd go, nobody thinks that you can plant a pumpkin seed and get corn. Why? Because the seeds carry in themselves the DNA, the genetic code to produce what they are. So even if I take a pumpkin seed and put it in a corn package with a picture of corn on the front and then later go plant it, I'm still not getting corn. Are you with me? So you cannot sow to the flesh the sinful nature and expect to reap a godly spiritual crop. Even if you disguise it in a pretty Christian-looking package. Because it doesn't have the DNA. It doesn't have the genetic code in it to produce that. It is by nature something different. This is how the world works. The seed determines the crop. I can apply that in a number of ways. A number of years ago, I was hanging out with a, a, a pretty well-known evangelical leader. If I said his name, most of you would know of him. He not only is a pastor, but he is a pastor of pastors. He oversees a whole great big network of churches. And we were spending a little time together. Um, and we were walking from the conference where he was speaking to the hotel where we were staying. And we were talking. And, and just over the course of talking, he said to me that his ch- the churches that he oversees have a 98% tithe rate. That's what I said. Wow. And I just kind of off the cuff said, man, we don't have that. And he said, well, and there was no judgment. There was no. It was, no, it was just, well, of course you don't. You haven't sown into that. And he wasn't, there was no rebuke. He just, it was. And I found that kind of interesting. You see, this is what you have to remember. You are always sowing something. Right. And the seed determines the crop. Sometimes by doing nothing, sometimes we, 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 we want to sow nothing and still reap a crop. Wow. Like wow. dig up the dirt and blow wind in it. <sighs> because, right, if, you, if you plant nothing, if you sow nothing, you're just going to get a lot of nothing a lot of people, you know what I find? A lot of people desperately want to grow spiritually. I think all of us have something, if we're a follower and disciple of Jesus, we want to grow spiritually. I want to be, don't you want to be more spiritually mature tomorrow than you are today? Man, don't you want to love Jesus more at the end of this day than you did at the beginning? Don't you want to be a better follower and disciple of Jesus next month than you were last month? I want to grow, but a lot of people want to grow, but they don't want to sow into it. They want a spiritual growth harvest without sowing. Like, they don't want to spend time in prayer. They don't want to seek the Lord's face. They want to read their Bible, study it, meditate on the Word, memorize the Word, think about the Word. They don't want to come to worship and just with abandon worship God or, or, or serve His church in some way. I mean, every once in a while, somebody will come to me and go, I just feel like I'm stuck. I'm not, I'm not moving at all. And I'll, and I'll say, oh, and just pastorally, I want to draw them out. So I ask them questions. Hey, do you pray? No. Do you read your Bible? No. Um, do you worship? No. Um, do you serve? it? No. What do you want me to do? (laughs) 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says this. Remember this. Remember this. This is Paul again. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now that verse is in the context of money. But the point is the seed determines the crop. A lot of people want financial change in their life, but they, want to, they don't want to sow into that by being disciplined, by going by budget, by paying off debt, by saving money, by giving money. I know it's counterintuitive, but giving is one of the best things you can do to change your financial situation. But most people, because they don't believe in sowing and reaping, which means they're going to prove it, are stingy and they refuse to be generous not knowing that by gripping their hands more tightly around what they have, their hands are now not open to receive more. Yeah. St. Augustine put it this way. He said, God's always trying to give us good gifts, but our hands are too full. And if they're too full, what are they? They're us hanging on to all the other good stuff he gave us. I mean, I mean, you know, look, I could apply it this way too. I would like to look like I did CrossFit. I really would be like I would really like really big arms, big shoulders. I would like to have to like get all my shirts tailored because I was so ripped around my waist that it just had a 12-pack. And I I would do anything to look like that. Except eat right and exercise. Other than those two things, I would do anything. Do you get my point? A lot of people want to reap physical fitness, but they don't want to sow into it. They want to eat whatever they want, whenever they want to eat, as much as they want to eat it. And then expect to look like Rich Froning or something like that. It don't happen. You reap what you sow. And as much as all those applications, Paul is concerned in this text here. He says, when you sow to the flesh, when you sow to the sinful nature, you will from that nature reap destruction because the seed determines the crop. So a little quiz here. And I know, some of you are like, we had science earlier now we have a quiz. What the heck? Okay, <laughs> stick with me. Quiz. Let's say somebody does something really bad to you. I mean, they sin against you, they hurt you, and it's wrong. It's wrong, okay, and you, you decide, you know what, God's forgiven me much, and, and I was dead in my trespasses and sin, but I'm going to still hold it against them. I'm not going to forgive them. I'm going to hold it, and I'm going to get bitter, and what are you doing? You're sowing bitterness. Here's the quiz. If you sow bitterness, what are you going to reap? Okay. Destruction. If you sow to the sinful nature, it's destruction. Okay. If, if, if you're the kind of person who's just judgmental, I mean, you're always judging people, you're critical of other people, you're cynical, and man, you just, you know, you're constantly on Twitter just saying how stupid everybody else is, and you're sowing the seed of criticism and cynicism and judgment, and you're constantly sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing, what are you going to reap? Th- these aren't trick questions, you guys. It's pretty. Okay. The principle is the seed determines the crop. If I sow criticism, what am I getting? Okay, thank you, very good. Excellent, excellent students, gold star. This is, you know, this is an opportunity to respond. This is an OTR, an opportunity to respond. Okay, okay, but let's say, let's say somebody does something against you, they sin against you and it's hurtful and it's wrong, it's sinful, and then you say, you know what? God has forgiven me much. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna forgive them. I'm gonna release them. I'm going to let it go, which is in Greek what the word forgiveness means. It means to release and let go. If that's what I plant, if that's what I'm sowing, what am I going to reap? The same. Forgiveness. The seed determines the crop. And guess what? The seed grows. John Stott in, in his commentary on Galatians quotes an old adage. He just says an old adage. He doesn't say who it's from, but I'm going to quote it too. He says, you sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act. You reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. See, we don't, we don't often think about the link between how we think and our destiny, but they are connected through sowing and reaping. It's how the world works. Third statement. You reap later and greater. This is very important. It comes right out of the text. You reap later and greater. See, there's always a waiting period between the sowing and the reaping. Every farmer knows this. Okay. I think a lot of times we we miss this because we most of us here aren't farmers and we just think food comes from Kroger. I mean, if we want some corn, we just drive to Kroger and go and buy the corn. Because it just magically appears at Kroger. But actually, it didn't magically appear there. Long time ago, in a land far, far away, there there was a farmer who prepared the land, put a seed in the ground, took care of it, reaped the harvest, a truck driver brought it to Louisville, and somebody at Kroger put it at Kroger, and we showed up and said, corn magically appeared here at Kroger. But the truth is, every farmer knows this, there's a waiting period between when you sow and when you reap. Every parent knows this as well because every parent has had, if your kid's old enough, has had that project at school. I I did this when I was a kid, and, and my kids did it too. You get that little Dixie cup, and they put just some topsoil in it, and they give you a seed, and you're supposed to plant it and take it home and water it and let it sit on the windowsill, you know, the whole thing. And I remember when I was a kid, I did that. I put the seed in. I planted it. I came back the next day, nothing. And I remember telling my mom and dad, I got a defective seed because when you're a kid, you don't want to wait. What am I saying? When you're an adult, you don't want to wait. But there's a waiting period between when you sow and when you reap. And that is why verse 9, he says, let us not become weary in doing good. Why would you get weary in doing good? Because there's the waiting period between when you're sowing and when you're reaping. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, here's what's fascinating. He says, at the proper time. Now, in Greek, there's multiple words for the English word time, but two of the most popular are chronos and kairos. Now, chronos is like chronological time. In fact, that's where we get the chronological word in English. Uh, It's the kind of time that you could, uh, you can plan on a calendar or measure on a watch. It's measurable and predictable, right? So next Thursday, I'm going to lunch with whoever at noon, okay? And that's chronological time. But there's also this other word, kairos, which by contrast means an appointed time or the right time, like the divine moment or an opportune moment. It's not measurable. It's not even predictable. You just have to seize it. When the kairos moment comes, when the appointed time comes, I'm getting more, I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or it's because we got the 40th anniversary coming up or because like, my sons keep getting married, uh, but, but I'm getting more nostalgic. And I was thinking about this the other day when um, Elijah was young. On one occasion, something had happened down in our living room, and he went upstairs. And I, and I went up there to, to kind of check on him, and he was on his knees in his bedroom with his Bible open, and he was reading Sermon on the Mount. And we just started talking about it, and it was, a divi- it was that Kairos moment. And he prayed the sinner's prayer. I, I was thinking about that, Elijah, this week. Um, and it was a tender, beautiful moment, but you can't plan those. It's the divine moment. It's the kairos. You just have to seize them when they come. So here's where the deception comes in now. This is what Paul's warning about. We think the harvest should come in a preset duration of time, chronos. So when it doesn't come like that and we're waiting for our kairos moment, we think because we don't reap immediately, in a certain amount of time that we're not going to reap. See, this is where the deception comes in. And that, de- that assumption leads to one of two errors where we're deceived. Either one, we continue in destructive behavior. So, for example, let's say you watch something online you shouldn't have watched, and you know it. You were, you were convicted in your spirit. You shouldn't have watched that. But you watched it, and then, but nothing happened. Nothing bad happened. So you're like, oh, well, nothing. So you keep doing that behavior. Because you didn't reap anything yet. You think you're not going to. Or maybe you, you did dr- some type of, you know, uh, drug that you knew you shouldn't have been doing. But you were self-medicating. You did this kind of drug. But nothing happened. Right away. So you continue in this destructive behavior not knowing there is a harvest coming. Ecclesiastes 8.11, the teacher says... When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. What does that mean? Deception. People think, well, there's no quick harvest. There's not going to be a harvest. So we continue destructive behavior. The other kind of deception is this. We discontinue right behavior. We stop doing the good stuff. So like maybe you've been praying for a son or a daughter or or, or or your neighbor. You've been praying for him for a year, two years, three years. And after three years, you're like, I've been praying, I've been sowing, I've been telling about Jesus and nothing. So you just quit. Not knowing your kairos moment is coming. You will reap if you don't give up. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4 says this. If you wait until the wind and the weather are just right, you will never plant anything and never harvest anything. Great insight. If you're waiting for everything to be perfect before you plant good seed, you're never going to plant perfect good seed. Because it's never going to be perfect. Right? (laughs) So sowing, by definition, is going to cost you something. You have to give up the seed to sow it to get the harvest. And Paul is saying here, don't quit. Oh, don't be deceived. Don't give up. Galatians, don't don't go back to the flesh. You've started in the spirit. Don't go back to the flesh. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't don't stop sowing. To, keep sowing to the spirit. Your Kairos moment is coming. You will reap. It's just how the world works. But it's not just later, it's greater. See, you sow a seed, but you, you get a crop. And the crop's always greater than what you sow. Now, that's good and bad. It's good when you're sowing good things, right? Because that's very exciting. That's very exciting to me and very encouraging to me. Uh, when we're sowing good seed, good seed, I'm, it's going to come back even bigger than what I sowed. Right. Yeah. And it's very discouraging when you think about the bad stuff. And I talk to people from time to time, and, and, and they're like, this feels unfair. It's disproportionate. Uh, I, of course, I was irresponsible, but I don't deserve this. And you're probably right. You probably don't, but what you reap is greater than what you sow. Jesus put it this way. I'll just quote Jesus and be done with it. Jesus said it this way, Luke 6, verse 36. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Watch this, watch this. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give. Give. And it will be given to you. Good. Me- How? How is it going to be given to you? Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now look, almost always you hear this verse quoted in the context of money and giving. And, and giving is in there, okay? But look at the other stuff. Mercy. Judgment condemnation, forgiveness, giving. How's it going to come back? What you sow comes back multiplied. Good measure. Press down. Like, you know, our, our garbage can isn't as big as I want it to be. And so often, you know, when it starts to overflow. You, what do you do? You, get, you, push. you press it. Why? So you can get more in there. That's how Jesus says it comes back to you. Press down. Shaking together, running over. So what do you do? Keep sowing good seed. Oh, yeah, sow good seed. Look at verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Oh, what's he saying to the Galatians? Hey, sow good seed. Do good to everybody. When you leave here today, sow some good seed to everybody but especially in our church. Yes. <laughs> He's like, "What? Do, do it to everybody, okay? But especially yes. to our family. Yes. Yes. Man, why is it sometimes we treat our family worse than the dude at Starbucks? Right. Right. He says, do good, sow good seed to your family. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think through this now. Think about this. What do you want to reap? Think about it for a second. What do you want to reap? Here's my follow-up question. How can you sow into that? This is how the world works. Paul's just telling us, here's the principle. You can believe it or you can prove it. (laughs) Now, listen, as a church corporately, there's some things that I want us as a, as a church to sow into. Man, I want to sow into a kingdom mentality, a kingdom ministry that's not just trying to build New Life Church. We're trying to build the kingdom of God in the city of Louisville. Right? So that we're reaching out to other people. So we, we partner with YWM Louisville. Man, and we try to outgive them. And by the way, you know, we, we give YWAM Louisville facilities and things like that. And, and, and when they start a new semester, they, you know what they'll do? They'll give an offering back to us. Why? Because it's not just us trying to bless them, they're trying to bless us. We're, we're linking arms to, 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 for the kingdom of God. That's why we have community Bible studies here on Thursday. It's why I meet, you know, over and over again with pastors all over the city every month to pray, to meet with lunch, have coffee, meet with other pastors, because we're supposed to be a bridge-building church that builds unity in the city of Louisville. And every once in a while, somebody will come up and go, I don't really see it happening. That's fine. Guess what? I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. Every time I do something with YWAM, every time we do something with community Bible studies, every time we have Dr. Tony Evans in here and we invite all the pastors in the city and we have a big lunch and we pay for it, every time we do all of that, we're sowing seed. And people can say, well, I don't think it's going to happen. Fine, you keep sowing your negative seed. I'm going to sow my good seed and I will reap a harvest in good time. At the proper time. You know why? Because we ain't giving up. He said, you will reap if you do not give up. So I'm going to keep sowing seed. You, you say whatever you want to say, I'm going to sow good seed. Another thing is we, we want to we wanna be a place of healing. Man, we want, we want people to come into New Life Church who are broken because of their sin, because we live in a sinful, fallen world, and maybe their lives have just been ripped apart and, and, and they're discouraged. And we want those kind of people to be able to walk in here and hear the gospel. The good news of what Jesus did for them and find healing, not just inner healing, but physical healing. Man, every time I preach the gospel, what am I doing? I'm sowing seed for healing. every time I pray for somebody's physical healing. I'm sowing seed. You might say, well, what we don't see as enough miracles. I agree with you. Guess what? I'm going to keep sowing. We will reap if we don't quit. And listen, the other, I mean, I want this to be a place of racial reconciliation, racial justice, racial unity, all of that. Guess what? That don't just happen. We got to sow into that. And we have been sowing into that. And guess what? We gonna keep sowing into that. And we will reap a harvest because we won't give up. That's just the way the world works. It's like the Archimedes principle. You can order your life around it or you can ignore it and thereby prove it. Now, everything I just said, preaching up until now, is the way the world works, and it's going to make what I'm about to say shocking. Because here's the conclusion. Remember I said I had three statements? And you're like, that was three statements? Yeah, had a long three statements. Three statements, one shocking conclusion. Here's the conclusion. It's the shock of the gospel. See, what I'm about to say, precisely the reason that I ask you to hold your yeah buts, Until the end, the truth I'm about to share, if you let it in, I mean really let it in, it's life-changing. Because if you read Galatians 6 in the context of the whole letter, you realize the shock of the gospel is this, that you reap what you did not sow. In the gospel, we reap what Jesus sowed. there's all kinds of scripture all the way through Galatians. He's saying no one is justified by obeying the law but by faith in Jesus Christ. He, if, if you could get, justify yourself by the law, Jesus died for nothing. But he didn't die for nothing. I mean, he, he unpacks it even more in, 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 the, in the letter to the Romans, Romans 3, verse 23. He says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then he goes on, and are justified freely. <laughs> what by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus we all sowed sin which means we should reap death that's the way it's supposed to be I mean Romans 6 verse 23 for the wages of sin is death pretty clear you sow sin you reap death but then he goes on but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord now doesn't this sound like a contradiction I mean, it makes me want to go, oh, wait, wait, time out, time out. Stop Stop the music. Stop the parade. How do we reconcile this? I mean, the way the world works is sowing and reaping. It's just the way the world works. And yet the gospel says something absolutely, extraordinarily, refreshingly different. The gospel says we won't reap the punishment that we sowed in sin. We will reap everlasting, eternal life that we could never earn. We couldn't even, how are we going to reconcile these two things? Here's how, here's how I think. Sowing and reaping, this principle, is the foil against which the gospel shines so brightly. We reap because of what Jesus sowed. This is incredible. See, in the gospel, God doesn't remove the principle of sowing and reaping. And that's why in this letter, Paul needs to say, hey, listen, I know, I told you you you're saved by grace through faith. That doesn't mean you go around sinning. No, you reap, God cannot be mocked, right? That's why he says that. It's still a principle, like the law of fire. It will burn you if you don't understand it. So what God does in the gospel is say this. Jesus sowed his righteous, pure, sinless life on your behalf. He died your death. He reaped what you should have reaped. He reaped the punishment of your sin so that you, by faith in him, can reap what he should have reaped. This is breathtaking. If this doesn't pierce your heart, you don't understand what I'm saying right now. See, without, this, without the gospel, this whole message could be interpreted as me saying, hey, listen, what goes around comes around. Right? And, and, and some people preach Galatians 6 from a works mentality, and it, and it sounds not that different from worldly wisdom. In fact, apart from Jesus, sowing and reaping sounds a lot like and is not substantially different from karma. But we are not apart from Jesus. It's as if grace has upended everything. Love has interrupted. Listen, God himself in the person of his son Jesus has sown what we should have sown. He then reaped what we should have reaped so that we now can reap what he should have reaped. This will take your breath away if you let it in. This is a mind-boggling truth. Your salvation isn't based on what you do, but on what Jesus did. Mm. So guess what? When we come to him in prayer and we're seeking something, like we're seeking provision from God, we're seeking healing, we're seeking whatever, the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, whatever it is we need, There are things we we want to do to sow into that. We do. But we do not ever come to him on the basis of our own merits. Okay? We do not ever come to God reciting our pedigree. God, you know who my daddy was. You know who my granddaddy was. You know who my mom was. You you know, we don't ever come to God on the basis of our granddaddy. Right? We don't ever come to God on the basis of our resume. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've done. You know, all of that. No, no, no. You, you, we come to God the Father solely on the basis of the merit of Jesus Christ. It's like, remember a few weeks ago we talked about the thief on the cross? Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine him going up to the pearly gates? They're like, what are you doing here? He's like, I don't know. The dude on the middle cross said I could come. That was his whole argument. Guess what? That's my argument. The guy on the middle cross, he said I could come. (laughs) It's on his merit. We reap because of what he sowed. Oh, (laughs) you guys, if you really let this in, I promise you, you will love Jesus more. You can't help when you recognize that the world works on sowing and reaping, and he took our place, and now we get to reap what he sowed. Oh, you can't help but love him. Because, listen, no matter what situation you're in right now, we're getting ready to have the ministry time in just a moment. No matter what situation you're in right now, Jesus is your Savior. You might say, but you don't understand. I've sowed some bad seed. It's my fault. It's on me. Welcome to the club. Okay? Got a card, card card-carrying member of that club whether you got yourself into it or you didn't Jesus is still your savior Jesus is your deliverer Jesus is your healer if you need healing inside or or maybe it's physical healing today he's the healer Jesus is your counselor if you need wisdom he's here Jesus is your provider Jesus is your waymaker if you're bound today, Jesus is the bondage breaker. Jesus, if, you need, if you are full of anxiety and fear, Jesus is your peace and calm in the middle of the storm. And he st- guess what? He still speaks to storms and says, be still. Jesus is your wisdom. Jesus is your support. Jesus is the friend. Some of you feel like you're alone. He's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And for those of you who feel like you're sinking, Jesus is your rock. He is your supreme treasure. He is everything you need. And so you come to him. Listen, it's just how the kingdom works. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for the good news. That Jesus is Lord and he is over all. And the Lord, we sang that song, the great I am. Um, There is no other God above you or beside you. You alone are God.